0: But there were pictures everywhere. I'm talking about just remembers um, just the way we had like we had a stairwell in the house and there were just pictures all the way up the stairwell and then going to my bedroom. I uh, had this long hallway that went down to my bedroom. Pictures all over. I bet there were like I bet there were 300 pictures hung in the house. They were everywhere and uh, I remember one and uh, specifically it said um one uh, me or my brother drew it when we were a kid and it had a duck on it and it said have you ever seen a one-bucked dollar? And uh, I don't know why it was you know, but my mom thought it was funny and apparently we made it in school But there was literally a dollar in there And I remember all the time going to school in high school thinking man. I could use a dollar <laughs> and uh And I almost took it out a whole lot of times but I, I never did um But we've been talking about family. Today we're talking about marriage. I had to get nearly to the 10-year mark of being married before I felt like I could speak about marriage in service. So uh, I get there in December. I'm pretty certain it's almost been 10 years. Or has it almost been nine? You don't remember. Good. So it's been 10, all right? Um, Okay, so I'm going to go with it's been 10. Um, This is the one place where... I guarantee you there will be some conflict huh? so if there the place that has the potential for the most conflict in your life would absolutely be um, with your spouse. This is the one where if you 're dating or or or, or you 're married, this is the one where you hope that your spouse you just kind of want to grit your teeth a little bit and say this is you need to hear this and uh, and we 're going to record and maybe later you want to You want to pull up the podcast and play it loudly at home just for you so that it can be heard again. But this is the thing where, this is the point where a lot of us find the most amount of tension in our lives. Here's what I've come to realize. There are really no married people issues. There are just people issues that get worse in marriage. And so nothing about marriage particularly is unique with the problems that we have. But marriage takes all of our problems and just sort of blows them up. If you're lonely single, you'll be lonely married. If you can't live without someone, you pretty soon won't be able to live with them. If you're unhappy single, you'll be unhappy married. And you can pretty much count on the things that you struggle with as a single person will be that much more when you get married. So marriage, this is a good conversation whether you're married or not for a few reasons. But one, because undoubtedly you have friends and if they're married, they've, they've talked to you if you're close enough about issues they've had in their marriage. And so you have people, you have parents, you have there are people around you in your life and they have some of these issues. And for one, you can say, well, I'm an expert because I sat in when an expert was speaking and I got some expert advice and so I'm going to impart that to you but also because regardless regardless of whether you're single and content or single and seeking or or happily married or unhappily married these things are, are pretty similar and these issues and these problems sort of tra- cross all these things so we're going to start this discussion in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 Ephesians 5:31 it's right after every woman's favorite verse wives submit to your husbands and serve them relentlessly without complaining you know, or whatever it says in there. Um, it may be slightly different than that. But right after that passage, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul begins to say this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. He says, for this reason, he's just talked about husbands love your wives, and he's really been giving husbands all the things that they need to do. And he says, for this reason. Um, The the love between a, a man and his wife, for those reasons, a man will leave his father and mother, and he'll be united to his wife, and the two will become one. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, you know, how people are able to do that. But I'm talking more about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is pretty interesting stuff. Here's what you find that I think is pretty interesting about everything that Paul has to say about marriage. He's like, I'm going to talk to you about marriage. And then all he talks about is Christ in the church. And if you go read Ephesians chapter 5, he's like, I'm going to talk to you about family dynamics. And then all he can talk about is Christ and the church. All throughout the whole thing. And it sort of gives you the, the right off the bat initial indication and maybe your your family relationships and especially your marriage have less to do with you and more to do with Christ. Here's a couple of things I think you see in the passage. I think predominantly the first thing you see is that marriage isn't everything. Sometimes you feel like there's this sense in our society that life, the normal matriculation of life is that you grow up and you must be married. And if you're not, then, then then you've missed out on something. But I think he says very clearly, uh, what you're beginning to see as you dig through this is that marriage isn't everything. For one, marriage isn't permanent. And some of you are like, you're telling me? <laughs> but no, marriage isn't permanent. It's, it's like this. Jesus says, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they're like the angels in heaven. And so... Even if you have the best marriage in the world, it doesn't last forever. And, you know, I have a tendency to sort of be sad about that, you know, just the idea that, that, that at some point in life I won't be married anymore, you know, it's it, beyond this life. And that sort of thing goes away, and, and I, I don't know what that will look like. I don't know if we'll know that we were married, or I'll we'll just kind of wink at her when we walk by. You know, I don't, I don't know exactly what that looks like, and that sort of makes me sad, but but i know that what god has in store for eternity is going to be pretty great. and so we you know it won't be just like it is here but it's going to be incredible. and so i just have to take some comfort in that. but marriage isn't everything doesn't even last forever. i mean your 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 place as heir with christ as as a child of god that lasts for eternity. but your place in your marriage doesn't last forever. marriage isn't everything. Um, in case you didn't know this, it's, it's not about you, either of you. Um, it's absolutely not about you. Paul's talking about marriage, and all he can talk about is Christ and the church. It's sort of like this. This is what C.S. Lewis says. He says marriage is kind of like this. He says marriage is sort of like a ray of sunshine. And so you step outside, and you get hit by a ray of sunshine, and you feel the warmth of it. And and you appreciate it, and you enjoy it, unless you live in South Louisiana, and it's August. But nonetheless, you feel it, and you, and you look back, and you see the sun. And so it's not the ray of sunshine. That's not everything, right? The sun is the thing, but what you feel is the warmth. And marriage is supposed to be kind of like that. And so you sort of feel the warmth of it. It's supposed to be good, no doubt, and, and, and you're supposed to enjoy it. But it's not the thing. It's just reflecting the thing. It's just kind of helping you see and look at the thing which is God. And so you feel the, the love in your marriage, but it's pointing to some, a, a love that's way greater. And that's the idea of a marriage. So it's, it's not about you. So take the pressure off of, of yourself It's not about you. It's about being able to look and see God. And that's the idea of being together. So it's not about you. Marriage isn't everything. Um, And and I would say to that point, since it's not all about you, I would say to stop looking for ultimate happiness in marriage. Stop looking for ultimate happiness in marriages. Because, Because picture this. This is the idea that we have in society, okay? So if you watched a Disney movie lately... Um, This is pretty much how it happens. Disney movies, Sleepless in Seattle, whatever it is, this is how they all go. Two people meet. They hate each other. They can't stand each other. Life is terrible. Some set of circumstances requires them to be together. If it's lifetime, they were either snowed in or that's pretty much it. They were probably snowed in. And so they absolutely had to be together. They hated each other. And just like it always happens in real life, when you hate someone or you really don't like them, not teenage don't like, but you really don't like someone, the kind of person that when you think about them, you kind of just grit your teeth a little bit because you really don't like them. And just like it always happens in real life when you really don't like someone and you're forced to be in a closed space with them, after after like three days, you're madly in love. That's the idea in every movie. And then something comes along, and, and, and then you, it looks like it's not going to happen, but then you just realize that your love for one another is so great, and then it does happen, and then the movie ends. And you know why the movie ends right there? Because they just can't lie anymore. <laughs> like They just come too far with the story, and there's just nothing left to say. Uh, if you'll notice, movies like that, there's not usually a sequel, because if they stay together, then the second movie is all about checking the mail and deciding whether or not you're going to shave. Is that not the case for men and women? You know, are we going to shave today? I don't, you know. And that's the sequel. And if and if that is not part of the sequel, then the, then the sequel will be about. If there is one, it'll be about what they break up. So so either they stay together and it all works out, or they break up. And that is the ultimate idea. I've never seen a movie where two people uh, just kind of casually meet, and, and they sort of get along, and they date for like a year and a half, and then at the end of the year and a half, he proposes in a way that's, you know, okay, but not great. And then they get married. Like movies don't they, they just don't go like that. Um, so that's the, that's the ultimate idea of, of what marriage looks like. Um, that, that's the best kind of way. But the idea is the point of marriage is not for you to find this perfect romance because it's not realistic. The point of marriage is, is, is to not make you find that thing, but it's to make you holy by, teach you, by teaching you what Jesus' love looks like. And it's really got nothing to do with all that big stuff. The point of marriage is to make you holy. Marriage gives you a taste of heavenly love that's the idea. But it's just a small taste. And it's just a real small picture of what that looks like. And God's bigger picture is to teach you through your marriage, is to teach you to love with patience and to love with grace. And man, if that's something you don't have, I mean, you've got to learn to do that when you're married. And so that is, that's the point of marriage. That's the big picture. This woman, Elise Fitzpatrick, she wrote this whole book on marriage and a a lot of different stuff. She's like a marriage expert. One thing she says is this. The point of marriage is to learn to wash the feet of another imperfect sinner. I'm not washing Jess's feet ever. Nothing wrong with her feet. She's not my thing. Um, But the whole point is to learn to serve someone else. The point is to learn to love someone else. The point is to learn to be loved by someone else. That's the idea. Romantic love is a nice notion. It's not what it's about. Um, Marriage isn't everything. There are also no perfect matches. Can I get an amen? All right. There are no perfect men. Not too excited. Um, So, number one, I would say get rid of your list. Okay? So, your list will never be fulfilled. Um, There are no, uh, just in case you're wondering. There are no women that love rafting, are also great cooks, really love to fish, think everything about you is great, don't mind if you don't take out the garbage, and they're also left-handed, or whatever, you know, whatever is on the list. Nobody fits all the pieces on the list, and realistically, when you get married, all the things that were on your list, you're not doing anyway. You know, I'm not fishing, I'm not rafting, I'm not doing any of those things, I'm just watching children and going to work. Um, those are the that's, that's what we do in life. And, and so I, I think the huge thing to recognize is that you're not going to find a perfect match. Paul keeps talking about how much you've got to love each other throughout all of Ephesians chapter 5 and all the things you've got to do for one another because you're not perfect. Because he recognizes that you're going to need a whole lot of instruction and a whole lot of reminders. There are no perfect matches. There are no perfect people. You can reject the e-harmony myth that being matched by an algorithm is going to make you a perfect fit. How many of you feel like maybe you married the wrong person? This marriage, a previous marriage. Here's what I want to tell you about marrying the wrong person. You did. (laughs) Like we're all the wrong people. It doesn't matter who you married. You didn't marry the right person because nobody's that. You marry the most beautiful person in the world, when you wake up next to them, they have zoo breath and dirty hair. (laughs) Because that's just life, you know, nobody is the perfect person. And what's even more challenging about that is that not only am I the wrong person, I'm the different wrong person all the time. And in the 10 years that I've been married, I'm incredibly different. When I first got married, Jess will tell you that I wanted to have five kids. Five kids. I wanted to be a missionary and have five children. And I sorta of got one of those. Um when we were talking about having a second kid, there were intense negotiations. If we have another kid, I get cable on the outside TV. <laughs> There's something. I gotta get something for me and uh and and if it's a girl then I get to get a boat too. <laughs> okay. It is a consolation prize. I'm really excited about having the kid, but, you know. Um, it is, man, absolutely, all those little pieces about finding the perfect person, you absolutely don't find that. And The myth that if you can find the perfect person, you'll have the perfect marriage, leaves you, if you're not married, searching for Mr. Perfect all the time because you never find them. And if you are married, it leaves you wondering what's wrong when nothing is actually wrong you're just looking for something that doesn't exist. The newsflash is, if someone doesn't have nail-scarred hands and is named Jesus, they're not going to be perfect. And they're going to be so incredibly far from it. In fact, whoever you marry is going to be so bad, right? Or whoever you have married was so bad, and you are so bad that Jesus had to die to save you. That's how bad you are. And so don't look for a whole lot more than that. Let me sum that little section up for you. The person that you may marry, the person that you are, or the person that you are married to isn't perfect. They will never be perfect. But even in spite of all that, don't settle for anything less than a marriage that reflects Jesus, because that's the point of it all. Marriage isn't everything but... Here's what he, here's I think the big idea that he's, that he's getting to in this whole passage. Marriage isn't everything, but here's what marriage is. Marriage and also singleness are a gift from God. And he talks about it in this way that it's incredibly rich. And as he goes through, he keeps saying, man, it's, 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 about, it's about looking like Christ in the church. And if you're a part of the church and you recognize the love that Christ has for you, that's what you're getting. But, that's not, but it's not just marriage that you get that. It also happens in singleness. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 7. I didn't put it on the screen, but he says this. He says, I wish that all of you were as I am. Paul's not married, by the way. He says, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift. Another has that. He says, man, there's, something, there's an incredible gift to being like me. There's also an incredible gift in, in being married. I think uh, one of the most honest and best things you can say if if you begin a dating relationship or if you're you're already married is to look to that person and say um, very, very dramatically, you do not complete me. Because if you're looking for someone to complete you, you'll struggle forever because that's not what it's about. And as Paul talks about marriage throughout the whole passage, he's talking about Jesus, right? He's talking about, um, about feeling the love of Jesus and how that thing is perfect, not how either of you are perfect. He says that, that, that in First Corinthians, same author, different book, he says that it's a gift to be single. It's a gift to be married. Um, both are gifts unique in their own right. Singleness is a gift, You can think of some things that you can accomplish when you're single that you can't do when you're married. Um, Sometimes singleness is a permanent calling. Paul's was a permanent calling. He uh, He talks about all the things that he can do, that he can devote his energy to and his time to because he's not married. And he says, man, that's a pretty incredible thing. Singleness might be temporary. I think about, you know, all the things that God called me to accomplish when I wasn't married. Um, you know, trying to trying to be married and figure that out and, and, and also go to school and, and, and try to finish college and be really poor and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's been done, but I imagine that would have been a lot more challenging in my marriage. I think there were a lot of things that God called me to do in that time. The North American Missions Board actually, um, sorry, the International Missions Board actually sends missionaries who are not married. Um, because there are there are places in other parts of the world where, where women can go and minister to other women as long as they're not married, you know, or, or otherwise they're under the authority of their husband. And, and there's a lot of questions to answer if they're married. And so they recognize that, that there's something unique that a woman can do in another part of the world in sharing the gospel when they're not married. And so there may be some things that God can call you to do when you're single. It's a gift. Um... Here's what I think is pretty interesting. Every time you pray, um, you're praying to—I mean, you're praying to the God of the universe, right? I mean, it's—you know—absolutely. I don't want to—I don't want to bring any of that down, but recognize that that the God Man was a 30-year-old who lived with his mother, single, 30-year-old man who lived with his mother. Um, so, if that's gonna—if if being married is gonna be the mark for something great, then Jesus must not have been that. And so, absolutely, being single can be a gift. Um, marriage is also a gift. Remember, God is the one who said, uh, it is not good that man be alone. Marriage was a gift, and he came up with it to help the man out. He says, it is not good that man should be alone. Why is it not good that man should be alone? Because they wear black pants with white socks. <laughs> and all different kind of other things that are just not that good. Um, When Jess goes out of town, I get reminded of why it is not good for me to be alone. I don't eat good. I have chicken for breakfast. I take long naps during the day. Um, The house becomes a mess, and it's just me there. I don't know how it happens. I go grocery shopping, and I spend $100, and I still have nothing that makes a meal. It's just really, I'm just not one of those people. I'm not like Paul. It's not better for me to be single. That's just not for me. And, uh, and I recognize that, that marriage is a gift for me. I've accomplished so much more um, in my personal life and, and in ministry and, in, and spiritually because, of, because I'm married. And God's done incredible things for, for children's ministry here, for, for my ministry here through my marriage. And I can see very, very clearly the gift that it is to be married. But I recognize that there's great things that God can do um, in the lives of some people. But that part's not for me. And it's because Paul says that some of you have the gift of being married and some of you don't. And that is the thing for me. Uh, it, the, the, the love of the father to send his son um, was an incredible thing that I learned through being married and having children. You couldn't have gotten me to understand the depth of, you know, before you, married, what do you say? You say, uh, you know, it's, it's you and I. We're number one. And when we have kids, you know, that's not breaking that bond. <laughs> and that is very true. But when you get married, you recognize that you were very incomplete in what you said. Because the love that you have for your children is just so different and so deep. And it's just unreal. And that experience has, has, has showed me something about the love of God that I never got before. And that piece has been incredible. Incredible. And I think that's one of the gifts of being married. And so that's very clearly, I think, what every time Paul is talking about marriage and every time he's talking about uh, the family life, he's, man, he's, re- he's, he's noticing that there are some incredible gifts about recognizing the love of the Father when you get married. So here's what I would say. Number one, release the pressure. Because marriage isn't everything. And when you begin to make marriage everything your marriage will be terrible. And if you're single and you begin to make marriage everything, your singleness will be terrible. Because it's just not everything. It's not permanent. It's not about you. never ends with ultimate happiness. There are no perfect people. Temper your expectations. It's just not everything. Paul talks about marriage. Yet again, I just want to remind you, Paul talks about marriage in that passage. And all he can talk about is Jesus and the church. He says, here's the real point of it. It's about Jesus and the church. And the second thing is, if you have been called to it, it has a great purpose. And the purpose primarily, first and foremost, is to teach and to show you firsthand the love of Christ. And it's not just for you to feel the love of Christ, it's for you to to extend that love as well. And that's a huge blessing about being married. It's to give you some earthly feeling of the way that God feels about you. It's an incredible blessing of being married. And whether you're married or whether you're single, God has great plans for you just as you are and just where you are. Soak in that truth. Let me pray.